All right, and here we are on Tuesday evening, August 8th, and what started off as a slow news day uh, with a texting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth or back and forth? All of a sudden, we're from Minnesota. Minnesota, man. Um, (laughs) Jamaica, too, apparently. (laughs) Just mixing it all up. But anyway, so it started off as a slow news day this morning, uh, even though I had my first uh, article message to me at 6.24 a.m. Eastern from Dante. I was not in a good mood this morning. (laughs) Turned into a very interesting day of news that really kind of ran the gamut. We started with some news on climate change, uh, a little bit of um, FCC exploitation of rules uh, to benefit the Sinclair Sinclair Media Group. Hypocrisy, too. Hypocrisy. Um, A little stuff about Mark Zuckerberg maybe throwing his hat in the ring for president, all the way to talking about the economy and looming World War III. So... We're going to run through a bunch of the articles that we uh, found interesting today and starting with uh, the first of eight. So let's talk a little bit about the government report that came out on the impact of climate change on the United States and what that means. So the synopsis of the report and and the story around the report is that essentially uh, the knock against Trump here is that this report was released and it basically – contradicts everything him and his administration have been saying about climate change, downplaying its significance, um, you know, throwing out BS arguments for why it was okay to leave the Paris Accords, um, putting climate change deniers in charge of the EPA, in charge of the Energy Administration, all that sort of stuff. This report basically comes right out and says uh, climate change is a very big threat and citizens of the United States all across the country are already feeling its effects. Um, this is on top of a news report that I think might have either come out late last night or early this morning. I don't know. Everything kind of blurs together. But uh, it also came out that the USDA was ordered to stop using the term climate change in any public memos. and They were it, censoring it, correct? Yeah, and institute the phrase weather extremes instead. Um, and somebody, uh, just some random, random Johnson on the internet actually made an interesting point that I, I – for some reason found worth remembering, uh, was that climate change, even though it shouldn't be, is has become a politicized term uh, because of the fact that it just seems to be such a clear divide that Democrats believe in it and Republicans don't for the most part. So when you have people like the Trump Corps that, you know, hear buzzwords that mean scary liberal and immediately are opposed to it no matter what, climate change has sort of become one of those terms for them, right? You hear climate change and all of a sudden if you're a a hardcore Republican, you think liberal conspiracy, Chinese hoax, uh, fake news, whatever you want to – and you tend not to pay attention to it. So by the USDA no longer explicitly calling it climate change and referring to weather extremes, weather extremes actually is more tangible to current day, right? Like somebody – in Kentucky, who just had a tornado tear down their house, can resonate like can relate a tornado to a weather extreme more easily than climate change, and so it could potentially, in a, in a small effect, wind up with people hear weather extremes and go, "Oh yeah, that's definitely happening, and that's definitely a bad thing. What can we do to stop that?" Whereas climate change is just kind of something that shuts people down when they're on the opposite side of the issue. I don't know necessarily how accurate that is, or if that is an effect 
how widespread it'll be, but somebody had made that point uh, out there on the World Wide Web, and I thought it interesting enough to regurgitate. On the World Wide Web. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the report real quick and what it said. It essentially really cites the rising temperatures that have uh, risen rapidly and drastically, uh, quoted in the New York Times, uh, in the United States since 1980, and that recent decades have been the warmest of the past 1,500 years. Uh, It goes on to talk about how even if humans immediately stopped emitting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, the world would still feel at least an additional uh, 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit of warming over this century compared with today. Uh, And, of course, it's been proven or it's been shown in studies before that any minor change in temperature really does affect the world in a great way. Because keep in mind, when when, when climate scientists talk about change in the earth's temperature as you know in half a degree c two degrees c you always hear is like the the magic number the danger zone number we're not talking about you know oh yesterday was 72 so instead it'd be 74 oh it's not that bad no we're talking about when they talk about average global temperature they're talking about the long-term macro trend in the climate so where you know two degrees temperature difference in your city or your town doesn't matter that much from day to day Two degrees over the entire planet um, and the effects that has on the overall climate does make a very large difference. So that's – be careful when you hear such small numbers and degrees thrown around thinking that it's not that uh, important. It's much more ominous than it sounds. It definitely is. And I guess one of the questions that you'd probably be very interested in asking, and this will be a little bit of a transition here, is when we are thinking about how the news stations will report on uh, this article as well as other studies in the future regarding climate change, looking at Sinclair Broadcasting, how will they refer to it? And let's talk a little bit about what happened today. So essentially the conservative outlet known as Sinclair Media Group uh, was – allowed today um, – I'm sorry. Actually, I believe it was earlier this year that this all kind of went down. Well, but it so, just got approved yeah. today, if I'm not mistaken. So basically what happened was – well, first of all, if you've never heard of Sinclair Broadcasting Group before and don't have any idea on the background of it, uh, John Oliver on a show last week tonight did a great um, segment on it. And I think it, one of his shows in June um, – the good thing is he uploads all of his main story segments to YouTube, so you can go look it up. Just look up John Oliver, uh, Sinclair Broadcasting. But anyway, well, hold on. Let's back up real quick. So yeah. why is this in the news today? Did it pass today? No. So it? today there was – so you know how the FCC is like uh, Ajit Pai is the chairman and then there are like two other people on the board mm-hmm. that the three of them vote to make decisions? Correct. So basically what happened today – so to give a brief background – Sinclair Broadcasting is already the largest single owner of local broadcasting stations in the, in the country. They're trying to buy Tribune Media, which would make them cover 72% of U.S. households, uh, which is supposed to be congressionally capped at 39% to any one company. Correct. What happened there was Ajit Pai, the guy who is calling net neutrality an archaic regulation and wants to get rid of it, is dusting off a different archaic regulation and supporting it. It's a, it's a, it's a rule. I, I'm not familiar with the exact wording, but essentially this rule would allow Sinclair Broadcasting to get around the fact that their purchase of Tribune Media would put them over the 39% market share threshold. So Ajit Pai and his Republican ally on that three-person board um, voted to allow this rule to take effect – uh, in this potential acquisition of Tribute Media by Sinclair Broadcasting Group against the no vote of the one Democrat on the 
triumvirate board. Now, that doesn't mean that the deal itself is fully approved, but it does mean that when the, the final approval comes up for review, the fact that the FCC has chosen to um, impose this rather archaic rule on this one particular deal means it's a lot harder for the people deciding whether to allow the rule to go through or not to find some reason not to let it go through. So if, if, the, if the imposition of this regulation had failed, then it would be clear, cut, and dry. Sorry, if you, contrib- if you buy Tribune Media, you'll be over the 39% threshold. We're not allowing this to go through. End of story. But now that Agitpai has sort of weaseled his way around that for Sinclair Broadcasting, on behalf of Sinclair Broadcasting, that can no longer be a benchmark for the regulators as to whether or not to let this But didn't through. that happen earlier this year? My reading of the, the story was that that loophole – um, was or the the re- reviving of said loophole was done earlier this year. So my question is, why is it just coming out today? I do know that he testified in front of Congress or communicated to Congress. Yeah. I don't know if it was actually maybe that maybe that's why it's getting in July that it wasn't revived. So it's just interesting because the news the source that we were looking at doesn't really give any background on it. Which I had thought that vote had taken the official vote to invoke it had taken place recently. Perhaps. Maybe I'm misremembering. I mean, we've read how many articles I know, today. I, know. Um, I don't know. But, but anyway, right. I mean, the fact that there's a 39% cap uh, via Congress and this will ultimately, should it go through and should it become reality, result in 72% um, of the airways being dominated, that's an issue. Yeah, I mean, that's 72% of not not your you know national cable uh, news programs. That's your local stations, the um, – the people that you normally think don't really have much to do with politics and just report the local news, they are being, in a lot of cases, mandated by a ve- the very right-leaning Sinclair Broadcasting Group on what they need to tell you and how they need to tell you it. So it's, um, unfortunately, not much we can do about it from, from our individual little, you know, lives around the world, around the country. But um, it is something to keep in mind when you're watching your local news station, especially uh, east of the Mississippi River is where they have most of their holdings. So if you live in that area, Which makes sense. If you live in that area, just keep that in mind when you're watching your local news, and you you get the feeling that this seems to lean pretty far to the right. It's probably because they're owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. And similar to uh, what we see with Fox News and what we see with some other more more very right um, uh, organizations, um, very right being Alex Jones and Tommy mm-hmm. Lauren's live Facebook post now because she doesn't have a TV show anymore. Um, or whatever it was, the blaze, uh, they do peddle a lot of the uh, so-called um, uh, – they ignore a lot of what is called the fake news by the Trump administration right. and kind of push their own narrative. Right. And that's something that – transitioning here. Uh, well, that, I just want to put a cap on it if I could. The danger and the difference between Sinclair – You're really killing my vibe with this. Sorry. The danger and the difference between Sinclair Broadcasting and Fox News. With Fox News, National News Network, you know what you're getting. You know, and they're pretty open about being a right-leaning news source. Sinclair Broadcasting Group, for people who haven't been you know, following the story, is like the largest right-leaning media group that you've never heard of. And that's the danger is that if you're not aware of what's going on, you might be thinking, oh, local news stations can be trusted to be pretty unbiased, and, and they might not be. So you might be getting a skewed view without even knowing why. That, and that's my last comment on that. Okay, well, you killed my transition, so I don't know how well, we're going to jump into this. But um, So Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook founder and the billionaire, 
uh, was asked uh, a few, I believe it was December of 2016, if he was going to run for president. And he said, um, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, that was not in 2016. That was earlier this year. He was asked if he was going to run for president in 2020, and he said he was not. He's made a few interesting moves and uh, had some actions in the past couple of months that have really called that into question. One being in December of 2016 when he basically went uh, away from saying that his uh, – uh, he was an atheist to saying, right. indicating more that religion is important to him, uh, and then bringing on a former Hillary Clinton advisor into his, you know, into his mess. It's just seeming like he's really setting up to try and run, which is just not good. Like, yeah, he's been doing these things like he'll post on Twitter, like, "Oh, spent the day on this farm with these people in this rural state." Who's taking those pictures, by the way? Uh, oh, Obama's former presidential photographer. Correct. He has brought him on the team as well. Uh, but basically, the frustration with this is uh, the world – well, the world. Uh, there's a portion of the United States that seems hell-bent on finding the quote-unquote good billionaire to counter the guise of Donald Trump as the billionaire president. But my argument is let's just get away from billionaire presidents altogether. Why do we have to find a, a – good one or a left-leaning one or whatever you want to call it. Like Mark Zuckerberg, the article that we were sharing with each other today had the title exactly right. Somebody stop this man from running for president. It does not need to happen. It should not happen. I don't want it to happen. (laughs) I don't want it to happen. Well, and it's interesting because he's currently on this tour of all 50 states that he's trying to accomplish in the year. There's pictures of him, like he said, on a farm. There's pictures of him shaking the hands of police officers, of visiting cattle ranches, of touring factories, of doing all kinds of different things. Uh, So that's definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on as we move forward because one of the arguments has been that the Democrats are going to try to run a uh, a liberal Donald Trump in the sense of a billionaire, someone outside of politics, to really ride the wave of anti-Washington, D.C. Which I think is a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not a good one. Um, So officially he said he's not running, but who knows where this is going to go. Um, What's really interesting, though, is that while we're seeing all this positive coverage of Mark Zuckerberg and his tour, um, I'm sure that he's aware that there's this criticism as well. He definitely gets the criticism that he should not run for president, the criticism of uh, Facebook's algorithms really pushing certain types of news sources, whatever. So he probably gets both the good and the bad. One person who does not get both the good and the bad, apparently. <laughs> Great transition. You're welcome. When you don't destroy them, they work out pretty well, is President Trump. So a report today states that President Trump gets a folder full of positive news about himself twice daily. 9.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. And it's referred to as? The propaganda document. The propaganda document. So what do we think about that? I think, okay, so when you first sent me this article today, my first reaction was to burst out laughing and share it with my coworkers around me. Um, But then after I thought about it some more and really, like, read the article again, um, I started feeling more and more uneasy and concerned about it. And and here's why, like, okay, first of all, let me caveat this. At no point have I ever, do I, or will I ever think that Donald Trump is capable of changing. I don't think anybody in their right minds who was screaming, you know, since late 2015 that this cannot be allowed to happen when Donald Trump start, started floating the idea. I don't think any of us are under any delusion that he'll ever change. However, if you're one of those people that held on to a slight hope that maybe something will change eventually, maybe he'll reality will creep its way in somehow. 
you've heard all the news reports that you know Donald Trump only has time to, or only allows himself to be shown a few memos a day, right? Like, do these two files count against that? Like, are these taking the places of actual important briefings that he just <laughs> refuses to take? Probably, and, and like. Because essentially they're pictures, right? And maybe the re- and maybe the reason he doesn't realize people don't trust him is because he doesn't see those poll results because they're negative. Maybe the reason he thinks he has great poll numbers and popularity is because they his staff won't show those bad numbers to him. Like he might be. Well, I think he's in a bubble of his own creation, but he might that bubble might itself be in a bubble of his staff's own creation. I do love this Vice article, though, that refers to a few White House officials that had contributed to the story. Uh, and they go through pretty interesting details about how it's prepared, what times, all of that. Yeah. Um, but, quote, one White House official said the only feedback the White House communication shop, which prepares oh. the folder, has ever gotten in all these months is, quote, it needs to be more fucking positive. <laughs> which sounds like it comes right out of Donald Trump's mouth. Uh, that's probably Steve Bannon, actually. Was, it could also be Steve that's, Bannon. I hear him right away. Yeah, it could also be Steve Bannon because it would be it would be an extra level of narcissism if Donald Trump himself was saying, "I need to see more good things about me. Find me more good things about me." And apparently, this is rooted back to Ryan's previous and Sean Spicer, who were the ones that apparently came up with this idea. Back so then. Spicer, I believe, was interviewed about it. I think it's in that article, and he said like the reports of this are untrue. And then the reporter asked him which parts are untrue, and he said, "I don't want to say." Basically, like, I'm going to tell you that, that this report is not true. Okay, tell us why it's not true. I don't want to get caught in a lie, so I'm not going to answer. It's basically how that read to me. You know, this really does make a lot of sense, though, when you think back to in June, I think it was, where we had the uh, broadcasted uh, cabinet meeting where literally they didn't do anything except, yeah, except for go around and have everyone sing the, praises. The, yeah, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump. What? Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is a verb. Oh, I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. thought you seized a little bit. They like, suck Donald Trump's dead on television is what I'm trying to say. Oh, well, that's a yeah. first for this podcast. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> it is explicit. It's rated explicit. <laughs> parental advisory. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I think it goes to a lot of the, uh, the stories that we've heard about Trump in the past and the ways that he is kind of narcissistic and really needs to be treated with kid gloves. He's a snowflake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is he from Snowflake, Arizona, like Jeff Flake, who we discussed on our last podcast, which is available now on SoundCloud, SoundCloud iTunes, and Google Play? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, another article that came out today, which was pretty interesting, that we talked about later in the day, uh, was regarding the economy and uh, not really great things that we're hearing. Uh, essentially what they're stating is that the economy is broken and I believe this is also from the New York Times. Um, it's showing that there has been a, uh, uh, basically the one chart says the poor and the middle class used to see the largest income growth, but now the very affluent, the 99.999th percentile see the largest income growth. Right. So, and it's continuously gone down for the poor and middle class. Right. So basically what this chart is, that's basically the whole story is, um, I believe 1980 is the earlier period. So Correct. there's – it's a, a graph on the y-axis is uh, average income growth per year. Y-axis goes up and, up and down. And on the x-axis is the uh, income level percentile. Left to right or yeah. horizontal. Yeah. And the, the first line is 1980 showing the distribution of what you could expect your wage growth to be given what income percentile you were in. And it was a very um, – uh, 
inverted line, whereas if you were in the lower percentile of income, you could expect to see faster wage growth. And then they show the 2014 version of the line on the same graph that shows basically the exact opposite, that the people who earn the least uh, also see the least wage growth and the people at the very, very top. I mean, it, it looks exponential and the line gets vertical very quickly as you reach the 99.999th percentile income earners. Um, so since this is actually a topic near and dear to my professional life, I actually want to make a few points on this. Um, to say that the economy is broken is sort of generalizing. Um, when you talk about broken from an income inequality standpoint, that is definitely the case. I don't think anybody... Uh, in their right mind, from an objective academic standpoint, would argue that a capitalistic economy should have this level of income disparity. Obviously, in a capitalistic society, you are going to have winners and losers, and that is going to translate into the rich and the poor. Um, my personal view is that there's no way to prevent that in a capitalist society, and that we should not, if we believe in capitalism, try and prevent that entirely. Um, but the one thing I the, the one thing I want to touch on that's politically um, connected to the economy is that the reason there's a disconnect in this country, I think, in general, as to why you know you see white working class voters say, screaming about how the economy is in the shitter, and then you turn around and you look at the markets, and the Dow is through twenty two thousand, the S P five hundred is is nearing a ridiculous twenty five hundred. Um, you know, you see the the richer, I want to say probably 20% of the country doing generally pretty well. Um, and that's because, you know, if you think about what's really been going on, uh, stock markets and, and, and investments in general are bets on the future, right? So the better some – you buy a stock now, not because you necessarily think the company is doing great now, because you think of whatever it's doing now, it will be even better in the future. The, the long and short of it is the people who can afford to invest their money and th therefore get even wealthier off of it are the people that have money in the first place. So, of course, a really ridiculously great stock market isn't going to mean jack shit to somebody who's a working class factory worker in Iowa who has $2,000 in the bank. Like They can't buy into the stock market. So to them, that's not even a factor and they're going to think the economy is shit because they haven't gotten a raise in three years and they're working 60, 70 hours a week. That's the disconnect in this country is that you need to educate people as to the difference between smaller scale economy and, and, and your individual economic situation and the overall economy. You will not get through to hardcore Republicans who look at the overall markets by saying, I haven't gotten a raise in three years, the economy's doing shit. They're just going to laugh at you and say, look at the Dow, the economy's not doing shit. We have to figure out a way to bridge that under economic understanding. Very good point. I'd also like to point out that that uh, article that we're referencing is an opinion piece in the New York Times. So it's not a report. It's not a, right. you know, anything deep, deeper. Um, but something else that happened this morning that I think is really interesting to discuss uh, really comes out of Nikki Haley, uh, mm -hmm. who kind of uh, put the president in an interesting place, the White House uh, communications team in an interesting spot. Um, Nikki Haley, of course, uh, the U.N. ambassador who we, excuse me, had discussed previous weeks. Uh, week and a half ago? Week and a half ago. To, yeah, it was one of our, Last one of our more recent ones. 
Um, talking about Nikki Haley, and one of the takeaways was she needs to find a way to be more uh, in the news and more relevant. And we've heard that a little bit with the North Korea situation that we'll get to shortly, uh, as well as what happened this morning with Nikki Haley uh, seemingly suggesting that the president tweeted about classified information. So what information is this? So a report was published initially by Fox News that – forget who it was. What country was it? Uh, somebody had moved some missiles of theirs uh, into a more threatening position. Was this North Korea related? It was North Korea. It was North Korea. Okay, I just wanted to be sure. So North Korea – I thought you were joking. I was like – No, no, no. no, no. I, I wasn't Get sure. Get to the punchline, Dante. Well, there's <laughs> Russia and North Korea. Sure. So – but anyway. Um, so North Korea moved some missiles. There was um, movement – Reported. Of so the story was that the U.S. spy satellites right. detected North Korea moving anti-ship cruise missiles yes. to a boat. Yes. Okay. So that's ominous because obviously you put things on a boat, they're instantly more mobile. Um, and seeing as North, most of North, most of North Korea's enemies are separated by water, that's even more ominous. But the crux of the story is that Donald Trump retweeted this Fox News report, meaning he himself helped share this information. Nikki Haley was asked about this information, and she said, I can't comment on anything that's classified, and if that report is out there in the public, that's a shame. Implying that that information was classified, and Donald Trump helped I don't, I'm not sure which is better, knowingly or unknowingly, help to share classified information. Because if knowingly, then he's being brash and idiotic. If unknowingly, why do you not know what information coming out of your own government that you're the head of is classified or not classified? I really don't think it matters to him either way. So Good point. We've seen that over and over again. But what this does get us to is um, uh, the last piece of this, and I think is the more just uh, uh, scary, sad Freaky, all of dangerous culmination of many fears. Correct. So um, North Korea said uh, today that it's considering plans for a missile strike on the U.S. Pacific territory of of Guam. And we heard that uh, come after uh, a few hours before President Trump said that they would meet any the, the U.S. would meet any threat from North Korea with fire and fury. Well, the, and the first report too that um, I'm not sure on the timeline, but the really the important report that had to have come out uh, to make any of that relevant is that it apparently has been reported that North Korea has finally developed a nuclear warhead small enough to fit on one of their ICBMs. And we discussed this, Joe and I, last week that they we know they have ICBMs capable of reaching as far as Washington, D.C. Correct. Now we have reports that they have a, a nuke that can fit on that ICBM. Uh, so basically that's kind of the culmination of a lot of fears, especially here in this country, because, you know, let's let's all remember back to the lovely days before all of this shit that we're in, when North Korea and Kim Jong-un and before that Kim Jong-il would scream something threatening at the U.S. and we are going to strike at the heart of the United States and we'd all just kind of laugh and go, yeah, with what? What, are you going to throw rocks across the ocean at us? Well, now they have the with what, apparently. And that's kind of worrisome because as Lindsey Graham has said to some reporters that we've also discussed previously, um, as Donald Trump himself said, the whole fire and fury comment that they better stop threatening us, which, by the way, markets tanked as soon as he said that. Um, What's crazy about this whole situation is that you have apparently North Korean state media reporting that they are uh, devising plans to uh, attack Guam, which holds a lot of our air bases in the area. So that's what's kind of 
really interesting about this is that Pyongyang is kind of playing all of its cards right there, or probably not, to be honest, right. um, but is trying to almost, it would seem, provoke a situation. And to be honest with you, I think that's exactly what they're doing, because as, as uh, well, obviously dictatorial, but um, as sort of out there as Kim Jong-un can be, there's really no concrete evidence that he's a complete idiot. He could very well realize, like, you know, his country doesn't exactly have free access to the internet, but you can be damn well sure he has access to the internet and all the news that, pretty much all the news that we do. He could very well have figured that maybe his smart play for the short term is to say all this ridiculous shit and get Trump to make a mistake, either with China or with South Korea or with Japan or with somebody, uh, most likely China, who, who... the U.S. and China have a very strained relationship when it comes to how to deal with North Korea. Always have. Um, always have and, and most likely always will. Um, so Kim Jong-un could very well be playing a game where let's te- telegraph that we're going to plan strikes on U.S. territories and trying to try to goad Trump into being the one that causes an issue. Which, interesting enough, is something that North Korea has accused President Trump and the U.S. of. Uh, of trying to start a, uh, a an initial conflict. Um, well, something that one of our mutual friends sent us uh, today that I think was pretty funny. It was a tweet that said, "Sometimes when I'm feeling really overwhelmed, I like to remind myself that none of this will matter once North Korea or Donald Trump gets us all killed by North Korea." Yeah. And the hashtags are "seems rational" and "is Fire Fury Power the name of the next Fast and Furious movie?" Because it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I, I hope, Speechless, Don. I, I, ho- I hope a few things. The first thing I hope is that somebody freaking gets to Donald Trump, brings him to his senses, and shuts him up on North Korea. Knowing that that is re- absurd and never going to happen, the next thing I hope is that General Mattis and General Kelly and every other general we have in our freaking arsenal that is the U.S. military is getting on the phone, and every diplomat and everybody possible is getting on the phone with China especially – uh, with Rush, the Russian military, with South Korea, with Japan, and and basically setting up diplomatic and military safety nets that, look, if our president decides to do something idiotic, like try, try to do everything you can to prevent the start of World War III. Because if they're not being proactive, it could be too little too late once he decides to, if he does, do something. True. Like, like Mattis needs to be very proactive about this and be already on the phone with China saying, look, what is the most you can tolerate it, as far as like actions against North Korea? So maybe I can try and steer the president towards that if he re- if it really comes to that point. Or Mueller re- like really needs to get going on this investigation. Yeah, I mean, unfor- unfortunately, I think to do that right, you, you can't. You can't force that investigation to speed up to really do it right, do it thoroughly, and do it in a way that will get the results. Will have bipartisan acknowledgement, if not support. Um, and I think Mueller knows that, and I think Mueller realizes that in the long term, he's better off taking his time with the investigation and doing it right, and doing it in a way that nobody on either side of the aisle can raise issues with it, regardless of whether they like the outcome or not. Hmm. If he rushes it, you might get, uh, you know. Let's say, well, obviously the the hope there is that if he rushes it, it comes to a conclusion that leads to Trump being out of office before any sort of military action against North Korea takes place. The issue there, though, is that 
you risk tearing a further hole in the political fabric of this country because if Mueller's investigation makes any mistakes or does anything that can be half perceived as untoward in reaching this rapid conclusion, then you haven't really done anything to repair the discourse and political fabric of this country. Someone just tweeted, God damn it, I did not survive cancer just to get fried to a crisp by the former host of The Celebrity Apprentice. (laughs) That's where we're at right now. There's a lot of concern. I mean, uh, there were uh, quotes earlier from Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Ben Sass. Um, Graham said, I'm certainly concerned, and Ben Sass indicated that it's definitely troubling. So, I mean, that's the bare minimum they could say, but um, this definitely is a real concern. It's something that we, you know, don't know what's going to happen yeah. really. I don't, I don't even know what to right. say about I mean, this it, it's just it's just a bad confluence of, of omens, right? Because Trump has done nothing but step up his rhetoric against North Korea. It's never ebbed. It's always flowed. Um, North Korea has never at any point before in their entire history been more capable of causing damage to the United States and its citizens than they are right now. They have a missile capable of reaching mainland United States. They have a nuke capable of fitting on that missile. Um, you know, they've never had that before. We've never had to deal with a North Korean regime that actually is nuclear capable up until now. Someone else um – Someone else said, if this keeps up, said the ash outline of where Senator Jeff Flake had been standing seconds earlier, the GOP <laughs> may have to rethink things. <laughs> so, oh, God. interesting where we're at, interesting where we're going to go. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where we're at today. We thought it was going to be a slow news day. It turned into a very interesting news day. Yeah. Uh, I think the North Korea stuff is something we'll probably be talking about for a little while. I so. don't think that's going anywhere. No, that in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but... All right, until Monday.